Well, good morning and welcome to the Vine. So glad you're here. If you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and grab it? And we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. There's Bibles in the back at the tables. If you don't have one, uh, you can flip to it, tap to it, or check it out on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. Stephanie's going to come forward and read our text. We're going to go from 4 through verse 27 this morning. So, This is um, what Holy Scripture says. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 4 through 27. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Amen. Thank you, Steffi. 
Well, why don't we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find there. And um, this morning, would you just open our eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive. May there be um, fertile soil from which the, the word can be planted into our lives so that we can gr- so it can grow up to a beautiful plant or tree that bears good fruit. And so may that be who we are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is uh, our last week in our vision series. And so we've gone through gospel community mission in six weeks and what that means here at the Vine. And then finally, this Sunday is our first ever covenant renewal Sunday. If you're a covenant member here, we're going to ask you to renew that covenant. um, And you're going to hear more about that throughout the morning. So we're so glad you're here. Um, Recently, I've learned to play a new game. And it's called Texas Hold'em. Anybody heard of Texas Hold'em? It's pretty exciting. Now, I know I'm late to the party on this game. I think it's heyday was like when I was in college. They started having like the tournaments broadcast on TV and everybody was freaking out about Texas Hold'em. I missed all that. But now, just in the last couple months, I'm the one freaking out about Texas Hold'em. I'm like addicted to this game. Now, I'm not spending lots of money. Don't worry. This isn't high stakes gambling at least. Like a, it's like $5 and that's my ceiling, okay? Um, don't get tripped up on the gambling, but here's the deal. Here's why I love this game. It's extremely scientific mathematical, so if you have a math brain, like, you're going to love this game to, like, figure out the strategy. But in addition to the mathematical side, there's the complete side that I would call psychological warfare, right? So any of you who play this, you know what I'm getting at. Like, you, you got the cards, the numbers, figure out the math, but then there's everybody else, and can I play mind games with them to my advantage, now, if you're into strategy, that's really fun, right? And um, here, here, so, so, so here's the thing that really has made this game fun, though, is not when somebody bets, uh, you have chips, and you bet chips to try to win, and the goal is to win all the chips. And not when someone just does a, a simple, kind of cautious bet. That's no fun. What's fun is when somebody says, I'm all in. All their chips all in, right? They're so confident in the cards that they have that they're saying to themselves and everyone else, I'm going to win, and I'll prove it by I'm being all in. All my chips are in. You know, we got that, that expression that we use, all my chips are in, right? That's where that comes from. They're willing to not hold back anything because they know they're going to win. It's a statement of confidence based on the strength of the hand that you have. They are all in. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, you have a royal flush. You've, got, you've been dealt the best hand possible. Because Jesus Christ came into the world and laid down his life in the place of sinners to save them from their sin and the wrath of God and rose again from the dead, proving it all true. You can know life. You can know peace. You can know the joy of being freed from the pressure to prove yourself and enjoy the blessing of knowing that you were created for something far greater than selfishness and being consumed with self. You were created for loving and being loved by the God of the universe. This is the good news, what we call the gospel. That just means good news. This is the good news that Christians believe and celebrate. And if your life is based on this news, 
You've got freedom to be all in. You've got freedom to be all in. No fear. No fear on that wager. So my goal this morning on our first Covenant Renewal Sunday at the Vine for members of the Vine, my goal this morning is to call you to be all in. To motivate you, to inspire you, to be all in, not poker, all in with the local church. We would love that to be the vine. But it doesn't have to be the vine. The kingdom of God is far, I don't know if you missed it, but far bigger than, than the vine, right? So it doesn't have to be the vine, but if you say you're a Christian, it does have to be somewhere, a local church somewhere. You can't say you love Jesus and not be all in at a church. Hopefully a church that loves the triune God, loves the gospel, loves God's people as the church, is passionate about his mission to make disciples. So since this is Covenant Renewal Sunday for those who are members, I want to try to remind us what it means to be all in. What does the Bible say? And there's lots of ways to be convinced from the Bible that we need to be all in, but I I want us to simply focus on one of those this morning, 1 Corinthians 12. But if you're new here this morning, we're simply calling members that are already members here today at the Vine to renew their statement that says, yep, I'm all in. But if you're not yet a member, a, a good action point for you might be to sign up for the membership class that's starting next week. And uh, Brian will tell you more about that at the end of the service. But for those of you who are not yet members, um, this, can kinda, this class can kind of help you just understand where we are as a church. And you don't have to come to membership class and sign up. You can just come as information gathering, and that's fine. Um, and if you're just not sure where you're at with the Vine or with covenant membership and all that means or where to go and should I come here at the Vine or should I go to some other church, like, we just love to talk to you about that. There's no pressure from anybody. Um, we just want to commend Jesus and his plan for you as a part of his agenda in the world, okay? And just talk about that. And uh, we're, we're more than willing. So come talk to me afterwards, your city group leader, someone up front, maybe someone you're sitting by. That's cool. And if, if you're in the final category, maybe you're not even a Christian this morning and you're here. We're just glad that you're here, and we're glad you get to listen in. And this sermon is going to give you a window into what makes us tick as Christians, okay? So, that's kind of all the different audiences this morning. I hope you kind of all have an action point, all right? So think about this. As human beings, we experience unity in diversity all the time, okay? You might have picked up that theme when Steffi read the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, but let's think about this a little more broadly. We experience unity in diversity all the time. Let me give you a few examples. So when I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, about a decade ago, um, they don't have that many trees in Albuquerque. It's desert, high desert, right? But there's a river, there's some water, and by the river, the Rio Grande that, that cuts through the city, there's all these cottonwood trees. And in the fall, the cottonwood trees all turn yellow. And it's beautiful, okay? But compare that to what we experience right now here in the Midwest. When you drive along the Beltline and you pass the Arboretum and there's that beautiful mosaic of colors of orange and, and, and red and yellow and brown and all those different shades, it's like this mosaic of art along the Beltline right down here. How much more beautiful is that than just all yellow 
on the banks of the Rio Grande. There's unity and diversity. It's, it's one forest, right? But it's got all these different colors. And for whatever reason, in the way that our brains work, I think it's how God has wired us, um, we love to see that unity and diversity. That's more beautiful than just one color, right? Think about it like this. Um, an orchestra, if you're a music fan, as long as it's not a soloist, if you appreciate music, what you see this morning, there's unity and diversity. All, we, got, we got violin, electric guitar, piano, acoustic guitar, bass. That's, they're all different. You go to a symphony orchestra, you've got all these different instruments, different colors, different shapes, different sounds. Everyone has a role to play, and sometimes that orchestra can play so beautifully with some piece from Beethoven or Mozart or Tchaikovsky or whatever, that that will bring you to tears. Now, that can happen sometimes with a soloist. I think it happens more often when there's unity and diversity in an orchestra like that. You ever had that experience? There's something about unity and diversity that we love. Think about this. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the forest. Maybe it's not music. Maybe sports is your thing. All right, I'm talking to you now. Now, you love the Packers. You're going to go home after this service, flip on Channel 47, Fox, and Packers, the Saints, and hopefully the Packers will be moving the ball forward and not backward. When they do move it forward, why is that? When you go home and watch, I want you to think about 1 Corinthians 12. Because here's what you're going to see. You're going to see diversity. Huge guys, 300 pounds, they have a role. Smaller guys, really fast, quick, nimble, they've got a role. And for us to move that ball down the field, 11 guys have to do their job. It's a very diverse, there's a diversity of jobs, one goal, move the ball down the field. So if we're going to win this game, we've all got to embrace our diversity and bring it together to one unity, and then the ball moves down the field. And when that happens, we rejoice, right? Well, if you're a Packer fan. So this is also a really strong theme in the Bible, okay? Lots of examples. The biggest one is God himself. He has revealed himself to us in his word as unity and diversity. Did you know that? The distinctly Christian doctrine of the Trinity God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, all fully God in three persons. It's a mystery. It's a paradox, not a contradiction. The Bible doesn't explain it. It simply assumes it, and so we believe it. Think about Jesus, unity and diversity. Fully God, fully man. How's that work? Well, there's mystery, there's paradox there. The Bible simply assumes it, doesn't explain it. We believe it. There's unity and diversity. Fully God, fully man, one person. Think about marriage. The Bible says that when a man and a woman leave their father and mother and come together, they're joined, what does it say, as one. So my wife and I are distinct very distinct, but the Bible says that we are one. Literally, we're one. There's unity in our diversity. But one of the most powerful images in the Bible about unity and diversity is when Paul writes 1 Corinthians 12. And he's trying to get this point across that we're all individuals, but our individuality doesn't exist for its own sake. And that's hard for us to get our heads around. Like, 
It's not this. Here I am with all my gifts. Am I not awesome? Look at me. That's not what this is about. No, you've got your individual self and your individual gifting styles and expressions, and that is a good thing. But it's not an end in itself for the sake, it's for the sake of something far, far greater. Well, what's that? That something far greater is why you should be all in with the local church. And that's what we're talking about today. That something greater is the unity, the coming together, the shaping of the beautiful organism that is the local church. Like when we all come together with who we are and join who we are to one another, the church is built up, has the potential to be the greatest force for sacrificial love and beauty that the world has ever seen. But see, if we hold back what God has given us, keep it selfish, it's all about me, it's just all about me, the church doesn't have a chance. And that's what Paul wants us to see this morning in 1 Corinthians 12. So let's look at this text in a little more detail. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So right off the bat, you, got, you see this theme of unity and diversity. Did you see it there? Verse 4, 5, 6, 7? Look at it. What does it say? There's variety, right? That's the fourth word, verse 4. There's variety. Verse 5, there's variety. Verse 6, there's variety. So there's repetition here. There's, there's mass diversity among people in the church. He's writing to the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago, a city called Corinth. He's writing to us today. And he's saying, I get it. God created. There's a lot of variety. You look around this room, there's variety. And we all have different wirings and giftings. But see the unity words? Where are the unity words? Sameness. Same spirit. Look at it. Same Lord. Verse 6. Same God. So he's, he's really repeating himself to, to, to underline this concept of unity in diversity. Do you see it in the text? I want you to see it in the text. And then look at verse 7. This is, this is kind of a, a, a linchpin verse in his argument here. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So to each, that's an individual orientation, right? Each one of you has, has a gifting empowered by the Spirit of God that can be used to bless the church, and that's the point. What does he say? What does it say? Verse 7. Why do you have your gifting? For, that for is powerful. These little words in your Bible can be so powerful. Don't miss the for, okay? Or because. It says there's a causal relationship here that you should pay attention to. It's going to have a big impact on your life. It's for the common good, the unity, the all of us together. See, your gifting is not for you, even though it comes from you. Did you hear that? Your gifting is not for you, even though it comes from you. Your gifting by God is for, verse 7, the common good. Another way to say that would be the blessing of the local church so that God's missionary agency in the world can be thriving and strong. That's why you're wired the way you are. 
That's why you have the giftings and tendencies and expressions and passions that you have. It's not just for you. It's not by accident. It's because God has a heart that's, just, that's bigger than, you know, God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Yes. But if that's where we stop, we're so truncated. Your existence is more about you than, than you probably think it is. Your existence is about blessing others in the local church. God has a people. He doesn't just have you, right? And he wants to see that people collectively blessed. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what does this imply? What this implies is we got to be all in with the local church. If you say you love Jesus, you have to be fully committed to a local church. But you won't use your individual gifting for the sake of the whole unless we believe that the whole is really worth it. But here's the deal. Jesus laid down his life for his bride. He thinks it's worth it. Jesus loves his wife a lot. He laid down his life for his wife. And biblically, that's the body of Christ. What does that mean? The church. So he thinks it's worth it. You won't use your gifting in the church unless you desire to see the church built up beautiful and strong. It's like if, if you're a wallflower Christian who never wants to go dance, if, you, if you're a bench-riding Christian who never wants to play in the game, the dance won't be as beautiful and the game will never be won. Let's let Paul continue to convince us here. Verse 12. Jump down to verse 12. Same, same theme. You'll see it jump off the page. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, and, and, and sorry, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, did you catch that? So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What's the repeated word there? One. So there's unity, right? He's emphasizing unity. There's one physical body, but hey, hold on, there's diversity in the body. Many members, different parts, and the same with the church. We're all united by the same spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8, the same spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in those who love him. So we all got different experiences, different passions and giftings and callings, but man, the same spirit that, that caused Jesus to, to, to rise out of the tomb, the centerpiece of our faith, is that same spirit that empowers us too. But he's still talking about diversity. Look at verse 13. It's Jews, it's Greeks, it's slaves, it's free. I think he's just kind of rattling some, some pictures of diversity off like I did earlier. But man, that's a diverse group. But what's he saying? He's saying amidst this crazy, you know, maybe economic diversity or uh, ethnic diversity, there's unity, right? We're unified in the same spirit. See that there? It's one spirit. He emphasizes the word one. It's not four. It's not eight. It's one. It's not, well, this is what the spirit means to me. Well, this is what the spirit means to me. No, no, no. There's only one. And we're united in that. 
So now Paul moves into this classic illustration, and he continues to make his case about how we should see our presence in the church as vital to the flourishing of the church. Like, if we don't embrace our role and, and, if, and, and, and all in with our role, the church is going to be broken and weak. See, the church has to function just like your human body functions. And his big point is that there's a purpose in our diversity. Diversity in our human bodies makes our human bodies work really well. Unity in diversity. Think about the body. All right, let's think about it with Paul. Look at verse 14. So here's this classic example of what I'm saying. For, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So the main point, you guys see unity and diversity here for the sake of the flourishing of the church continues. He's just building on his case. You see that there? See, you feel that repetition? The, the argument, the logic here isn't that hard. It's a, it's a great analogy. And, and, and specifically in this section, Paul's, the way he's saying this is kind of like this. The unity without diversity leads to monstrosity. Unity without diversity leads to monstrosity. Like, like consider verse 17. Look at it again. If the whole body were an eye, like that's kind of gross, right? Can you imagine us all like rolling around like a oozing eyeball? Like that's kind of weird. That's a monstrosity, right? But since there's diversity, there can be beautiful functioning, right? All different parts of the body doing the job that makes up the whole. So let's, let's, let's pause here and think about human bodies for a second. If you, if, you, if you can work at not taking for granted what you have in your human body, it is truly in the strictest sense of the word, it's awesome. It should fill you with awe. So do you ever think about like just something so normal that we take it for granted? Like our bodies have the ability to regenerate flesh. Like you get a cut and we heal ourselves. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine what your life would be like if we didn't have that capacity? We have the power to reproduce another mind, body, soul, spirit, another human being. A man and a woman come together and they create another human being. Like that is amazing. You have a heart that keeps beating. And you're not even thinking about it. You've got lungs that are breathing air, and you don't even think about it. Like, that's amazing. So, so the human body should fill us with wonder and awe, and we should cherish it and praise God that he's made us. Truly, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. But many of you know the pain of when your body's not working right right? We realize how much we take our health for granted when we don't have it, and probably everyone in this room can relate. 
So in order for our body to feel good and to really feel the awesome weight of what we have, it's got to be working right. Everything's got to be working together, right? So if one thing gets off, it can ruin your day, physically speaking, right? So like for me, uh, in most of my 30s, I dealt with low-level kind of chronic back pain. Nothing that would like send me home from work, just enough to be annoying. But you got 10 years of that, and it's really annoying, right? You can have one little disc out of line in your back. And if you've ever had back pain, like severe back pain, like that will put you down. If your back hurts, you can't do anything, right? Or, so, so it's like that one little part, if it's not working, the whole is greatly affected, right? Or think about your stomach. If, if you're having one of those days, like the comic Brian Regan says, when everything on your inside wants to be on your outside, that'll ruin your day, right? Like, but it's just your stomach, you know? It's a small part of the whole of your body, but if that's not functioning right, you're, it's game over, for that day or two, right? Some of you had like uh, serious injuries that need surgery, like a torn Achilles or, or a torn ACL in your knee, and you got this kind of marathon of, of physical therapy ahead of you. Like that really disrupts your life. Small, small part of your body, your Achilles tendon, well, that can really disrupt your body and your experience of your body if it ruptures. It's amazing how when one part of the body is not clicking with all the other parts of the body, the whole body can be completely thrown off. It's, it's not quite as beautiful. And you guys see here in the text that that's exactly what Paul is saying. And that's why we have to be all in with the whole local church. Paul just assumes this. All parts of the body need the other parts of the body. If we're weak in one area, the whole body suffers. If we're holding out in one area, the church suffers. If one area is out of sync, the whole body, the whole church can be out of whack. If one part of the body is not all in with the other parts of the body, the whole body can't function like it needs to. Look at what he's saying here. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. See that outward focus, that non-selfish focus? If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, plural, you, he's talking to the whole church, you, plural, gathering in Corinth, gathering in Madison, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So the whole point here is that our unity in diversity has a purpose, the purpose is the church, beautiful and thriving and on mission to share the truth of Jesus and make disciples and plant churches. But there's a huge assumption here, right? Everyone's got to play their role. Who you are is not just about you being who you are. God has created you not just to be you. 
In short, he hasn't created you just to be selfish. He's created you to be you in the context of community, not in isolation. And your you-ness exists not so you can just bless yourself, but so you can bless the church. See that? So it can bless the Christian community to which you are connected. Now, to some of us, this is hard. Why? Because it just swims way against the currents of our culture. And a lot of us don't notice this until we're kind of like pressed with something that, that challenges it, right? As Americans, we are, most of us are, just bred with this idea that it's me and the autonomous individual isolated self-rule of self, right? Like, we just revolt against being asked to be part of the whole, and that maybe you're not as important as the whole. Like, mommy's little snowflake here, perfect, and, and like, couldn't ever be, like, singled out and, and asked to be part of the whole that's how we think. That's how most of us think. That's the culture that we breathe. And there may be some things that, that are good about that. And there's no culture that's perfect. It's not wrong to be American. But listen, if your culture shapes your functioning more than the Bible shapes your functioning, the church will never thrive in our day. So can we allow this text to confront us today? Confront our notions of individual autonomy? Confront the assumption that if I can just figure out how to be all about myself, that that's the pathway to happiness? But the Bible unapologetically claims that if you're pursuing the opposite of that, that's really where life is. If you want to gain your life, you'll be willing to lay it down. It's far more blessed to give than receive. There's way more joy in beholding greatness than staring at yourself all day. So let, let's let this text go to war with our distinctly American notions of autonomy and self-rule and isolation and ultimate individualism. And, and take note, this isn't the squashing of who you are. That's not the assumption at all. This isn't we all become like absorbed into like the whole and your individualness doesn't matter. It's the, it's the opposite. We better have our individualness because that's what contributes to the whole so that all these different parts of the body can gather together and cause the body to flourish and function. My fingers aren't the same as my nose or my eyes or my ears or my mouth. It all comes together to function in one body. So this isn't the, the diminishing of you or the loss of you for the sake of the whole. It's the combination of who you are with the vision to how can I be a blessing and not be selfish with who I am. So Paul's just saying, if, if one part of your body is not thriving and healthy, then the whole body suffers. And that's just the same with the local church. 
the body of Christ. Humans join together to work together to see the local church flourish. So you just can't say that you're a Christian and not have a vital role or a role or at least being willing to dive in in a local church. I mean, Paul's just clear on that. There is no Christianity apart from the local church. Or 1 Corinthians 12 makes no sense whatsoever. So it's like your ankle can't be just sort of like wavering on its commitment to you walking. Like the ankle's got to be all in, right? And your throats can't just sort of be on the fence about committing to swallowing food, right? And your heart can't be weak in its resolve to continue beating. If that happens, you die. And just like your body can't hold back in its functioning, each of us as individuals can't hold back giving what God has given us to give for the sake of the beauty of God's missional church in the world today. So, in short, if we're self-focused individuals, the church, Jesus' bride, will be stunted and weak, just like our bodies can be stunted and weak if the parts of our body are not working together. But if we are all in and viewing our gifts as connected to the whole, the church can thrive just like our bodies thrive when healthy. So we just want to simply remind ourselves this morning of the importance of the roles that each of us plays together. So we just want to call you, dive in, show up, give, pray, serve, listen, love, all the one another's of the New Testament. Let's just go for it. Let's be all in. See, Jesus died so that he could create a new people for himself, the church, called his bride, called the body of Christ, a people passionate for him because of the deep love that he has for his people. Do you know that God loves you this morning? Do you know how much he loves you this morning? He loves you so much that he was willing to lay down his very life for you so that you could enjoy him forever. Not being consumed with self, but being consumed with him. The author of your very life, he knows you, he loves you. And when a group of people are clear on that, a group of people called the church embrace that, get together around this truth, and they have a vision to serve, love, encourage, speak truth, pray, grow together. Man, it is beautiful. So why not be all in? We're going to transition to the Lord's table this morning. So let me just remind you of what God's word says. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So if you trusted in Christ and treasure, treasure him as, as, as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to the table this morning to be reminded to recall this gospel that saved you and empowers you to be selfless. And, and if you've not done that yet, this is just the one part of the service that we just ask you to refrain from, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Now, in addition, we're going to do something unique this morning. If you're a covenant member already at the Vine and you desire to renew that, um, 
we just ask you to sign the new covenant there on the back tables here and back tables right here. And you can do that before you come down to the table. You can do that after you return to your, your seat. And take this to be a beautiful, worshipful thing. Because obviously in 1 Corinthians 12, God takes great joy in his people being all in. And not that we're perfect, but as we desire that and be willing to repent when we fail, God smiles on that. He loves his church. He loves it so much he laid down his life for it. So when we're all in with that, our hearts align with our Savior. So you should feel that this morning. You should know that this morning. If you're not yet a member and simply want to be, um, you can sign up uh, for the membership class starting next week on the website. You'll hear more about that. And if you're here and not sure where you are with all this stuff, please come and talk to me, talk to Scott, talk to anybody up front, talk to someone sitting by you. We'd love just to have that conversation with you, okay? So musicians and servers can come forward, and I'll pray, and then you guys can do that. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you so much for the cross and the empty tomb. Thanks for the truth of your word that, that aligns us to your heart. And may that be so this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.